WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, October 30th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain this morning, showers this afternoon, high 64. Tonight and overnight, cloudy, low 45. And then Tuesday, the sun reappears, but definitely not going to be as warm as it has been. Sun and clouds, Tuesday, high 53. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 50 and cloudy in Ossining up in Westchester County, 57 and cloudy in Jackson down in New Jersey, and it is 53 and misty. We'll even call it raining here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning getting a bit of piece of breaking news. Just like seconds before I turn the mic on to come on the air. Cops uh, searching in Brooklyn for somebody who killed two people. They were found shot in an apartment. This was in Flatbush uh, late last night. Cops arrived at the scene not that long ago. They found the bodies on the fourth floor hallway of this building in Flatbush. The two victims, they say, are related. Detectives telling us they're trying to figure out a motive for the shooting. So far, uh, they have not found this person. They don't even necessarily know who they're looking for. I imagine they're looking through surveillance video as we speak to try to figure out who is coming in and out of that building. Of course, there's more details on that shooting that is breaking news. Excuse me, comes into us. We will pass that on to you. The big story over the weekend continues to be what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, Israel pushing into Gaza with tanks, airplanes, uh, troops. Uh, they have stayed in that part of Gaza where they were. What looks like things are going to start to intensify a little bit more as they go in to root Hamas out of Gaza. Hamas terrorists operate inside and under Shifa Hospital and other hospitals in Gaza with network of terror tunnels. Hamas also has an entrance to those terror tunnels from inside the hospital wards, meaning from different places of the hospital, you can go into an underground tunnel. So that IDF spokesman, what he was trying to say is that the main hospital in Gaza, that below it, he says, is Hamas's headquarters. So it was almost, he says, like they're looking for Israel to bomb this hospital where lots of people have gone to take shelter or receive medical care. So that has made things complicated. They expanded this operation on Friday into Saturday, calling it the second and most important phase of the war. In the last few hours, the IDF is attacking infrastructures of terror. The infantry is extending their activity. The Israeli military releasing some grainy images of tank columns moving slowly into open areas of Gaza. And they say warplanes bombed dozens of Hamas tunnels, underground bunkers over the weekend. Hamas-controlled health ministry in Gaza says more than 8,000 dead from Israeli airstrikes. The uh, International Red Cross in Gaza, uh, officials there calling for more trucks of humanitarian aid to be allowed to cross the border. Some trucks did get in over the weekend. It's only a small fraction of what the, the Gaza Strip and Gazans uh, need today. 
That's the Red Cross International Committee director says six trucks of aid arrived in Gaza on Friday. Three more made it yesterday. They are playing down concerns, the Red Cross is, that some of this aid is being diverted by Hamas. They say they use very robust and rigorous measures to make sure the aid gets to the right places and the right people who needs it. We work in a direct implementation mode. Uh, we have our own staff delivering aid and services to individuals uh, that are carefully And then the U.S., of course, watching this very closely. Last night, Vice President Kamala Harris was on 60 Minutes minutes weighing in on concerns about the war between Israel and Hamas. We have absolutely no intention, nor do we have any plans to send combat troops into Israel or Gaza. So last night, the vice president reiterating the stance of the White House that Israel has the right to defend itself, but stress that the rules of war must be adhered to. Israel, without any question, has a right to defend itself. That being said, it is very important that there be no conflation between Hamas and the Palestinians. Yeah, and then you had a top White House official over the weekend saying there's a real risk and a fear of the Israel-Hamas war escalating into a much wider conflict. We will continue to talk to our Israeli counterparts. We'll continue to ask hard questions about uh, how they are thinking this through, how they are proceeding. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan there says the U.S. working with other countries in the region in an effort to keep the conflict just between Hamas and Israel. The United States has a responsibility to do everything we can to make sure that life-saving humanitarian assistance gets to those people who have been affected by this conflict. If American troops are attacked by Iran and its proxies, we will respond. Yeah, so Sullivan, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, also talking about this responsibility on the part of Israel to avoid civilian deaths in Gaza, which is a complicated thing Hamas to do. Hamas is making life extremely difficult for Israel by taking civilians as human shields. Yeah, going back to that hospital that Israel claims, the main hospital in Gaza, that their headquarters are underneath the hospital in uh, just a bunch of tunnels, they, you know, hundreds of miles of tunnels that go through Gaza. To distinguish between terrorists and civilians and to protect the lives of innocent people, every single one of those deaths is a tragedy. Every human life is sacred, whether it's Palestinian, Israeli, American, or any life. All right. Of course, the big question, too, is now that they've moved in, what is happening to those 220 hostages? At least 10 of them are Americans. Uh, Some of the numbers were released over the weekend. 55 of them, at least, are from Thailand. And uh, those are some of the Thai workers that went into Israel to help with uh, agriculture, picking fruit, that kind of thing. Those people are held hostage. So what's happening with them? The truth is we just don't know. So it's a reasonable concern for a lot of people that they may not see their loved ones again since they're being held hostage by Hamas. Here's a Senate Intelligence Committee member. The folks that are the families and the friends of these hostages, everyone has great compassion for them and pain for them. Yes, so you had over the weekend Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu meeting with those hostage families in Israel, trying to reassure them that they're doing everything to get them out. Here's Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma, you just heard a moment ago, talking about the move to free those Israeli and American hostages. The challenge is what's the right way to be able to go get them? How do you actually go do that? How long are they going to be used as a pawn? What is Hamas going to do? 
No doubt Israel will not show its hand as it tries to figure out how to free those hostages. All right, WABC News Time 509. Of course, that uh, war between Hamas and Israel playing out all over the world. Hundreds of people yesterday storming into the main airport in Russia's Dagestan region and onto the landing field to protest the arrival of an airliner from Tel Aviv. They had to close the airport in that capital of the predominantly Muslim region of Russia. Police converging on the airport. It was uh, 20 people were injured as they surrounded this plane. Most of the people injured were the police officers who were trying to protect this plane. Russian news reports say people in the crowd were shouting anti-Semitic slogans, tried to storm that airliner that actually belonged to Russia. It's a Russian airline called Red Wings. They were able, thankfully, to protect everybody aboard that plane, but a frightening sight in Russia yesterday. And that is everybody continues to weigh in on this thing. So you have a retired four-star general, says all sides, including the U.S., need to be careful to avoid big miscalculations in the Middle East. Any miscalculation along the line can move this to a different level. Yeah, so U.S. Central Command Joseph Votel says that miscalculation could lead to an escalation of conflict in the region. We could be facing off against Iran, Iraq. An attack on an American installation that causes significant casualties and death, I think, could, could significantly change the calculus for us. It's a tinderbox, and so when you have people that are scared, they have weapons, they're trying to protect themselves, then the chances for something going wrong in this, I think, increase. Yeah, and that war continues to play out here in the streets of New York. Thousands of Palestinian protesters taking to the Brooklyn Bridge over the weekend, marching into Union Square. I don't agree with what Israel is doing. I don't agree with what the U.S. government is doing, and I want it to stop. I didn't expect to see so many people of different diversities, of different cultures, of different ethnicities. We're cut off from the world. We got to be out here in the streets and speak up for the people. A woman being sought by the NYPD for allegedly attacking one of these protesters, shouting some sort of statement during that Palestinian march across the Brooklyn Bridge. The woman allegedly slapped this 31-year-old man in the face, making those hateful comments. They have not caught up with her. And then you had more than 200 people arrested at Grand Central Station after a sit-in. It's a group called Jewish Voice for Peace. Uh, they organized this sit-down that shut down Grand Central for a while. And we feel compelled to take action that we wish others would have taken for our own ancestors. We have to open our hearts and we have to allow this grief to move and shift us into more compassionate human beings. Yeah, there's no doubt that the pro-Palestinian side, in terms of protests here in New York City, they're winning if there's a battle. If there's a battle between the two sides, no doubt they have thousands more marching on their side. That was the case Grand Central. Thousands of New Yorkers are saying we don't need to bear witness any longer. We know what is happening in our name. We know what is happening on our dime. We cannot allow for it any longer. We need a ceasefire. The protests of this Jewish group uh, restricted access to Grand Central for a while. And we feel compelled to take action that we wish others would have taken for our own ancestors. We have to open our hearts and we have to allow this grief to move and shift us into more compassionate human beings. Yeah, and then uh, there were protests on the other side as well. Again, just not as big. A group uh, marching up in Mount Kisco, Westchester County. Uh, it was a vigil for the people who were taken hostage, 220 still held by Hamas in Gaza. Even the pouring rain can't keep us from doing what we know is right, which is to be there for Israel. Some of the people taking part in this protest are uh, teenagers. A lot of my fellow young people aren't uh, as educated on a lot of issues, and I want to make sure that 
um, my peers uh, grow up to be um, active in their communities and you know, I want them to be able to want to make a difference. Yeah. All right. So we'll see. No doubt we'll see. So these protests continue as this war ramps up in the Middle East. 513, let's bring it back home down to Washington. The new Speaker of the House says a standalone funding bill for Israel will go on the House floor this week. Louisiana Republican Mike Johnson making the comments over the week. And they were echoed by Texas Republican and House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall. Because the need is so urgent now in Israel. Start with Israel first and then deal with the other as a separate measure. We'll have that on the House floor this week. Johnson said he called on the president to uh, separate the bills to provide the aid for Israel and Ukraine when he met with them at the White House this week. That is Russia in Ukraine and Europe and the threat also of China to the Pacific. All right, let's go out to campaign trial 514. Former Vice President Mike Pence dropping out of the 2024 race over the weekend. So after much prayer and deliberation... I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Yeah, this was interesting because there was no hint this was coming, at least to this crowd, where he made the announcement. It was in front of the Republican Jewish Coalition uh, in Las Vegas on Saturday. He told the stunned audience it's not his time and that uh, he was dropping out. It's become clear to me. This is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Yeah, you can hear how stunned everybody was. We we didn't have word that was happening. And uh, moments after he made that announcement, uh, Donald Trump said, well, why don't you endorse me, your old uh, buddy? You know, we work together in the White House together. He should endorse me. You know why? Because because I had a great successful presidency and he was the vice president he should endorse yeah, me. i don't think that's going to happen pence said uh, he's not ready to endorse anybody in the race just yet all right 515 let's head over to the 77 wabc sports desk welcome back happy monday justin ellick thank you Noam laden happy monday to you as well we got to start on the gridiron here the jets and giants met yesterday at metlife where both teams looked miserable on offense for basically the duration of the game and then out of nowhere, late came Zach Wilson and the Jets driving down the field to set up a game-tying field goal to send things into overtime. Here's what that madness sounded like, courtesy of CBS Sports. Lawrence is in the backfield. Wilson escapes, throws on the run. He's got a man. First down. Jets have to hurry, though. Here we go. Zerline, 35-yard attempt to send the game to overtime. Kick on the way, and it is good! And we got bonus football in Jersey! And the Jets weren't done yet either. But What's that? That was just the stupidest move I've ever seen by the Giants. They have the ball. Yeah. It's fourth down and one. There's 23 seconds left on the clock. Why not just go for the fourth down and one, go for the first down? Uh, that's a really good Instead question, Instead of, he already had missed a field goal. I mean, yeah. how this guy still has his job, the head coach, Dave I don't know. But well, I think he's going to be out of one very soon. I think winning coach of the year last year has something to do with it, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Not this year, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, how about that drop-off? But uh, Zerline wasn't done. 
He uh, had enough left in the tank gnome to hit that 33-yarder with 6.09 left in overtime to lift Gain Green to the ultimate victory. The Jets now move uh, above 500 at 4-3 and three overall, while the Giants fall to a lowly 2-6 and six on the year. Week 8 wraps up tonight in Detroit with the Lions. Did you watch the, it? Uh, I don't mean to keep interrupting What's that? You, but that was the worst best game I've ever watched. Oh, no, yeah. it was. I, I, I didn't. I mean, I was, listen, I was exhausted from watching the Eagles again. That was an exhausting game to watch yeah. as well. Yeah, that was a fun uh, game. At least they scored in that game. Yeah, exactly. At least that was a little high scoring. <laughs> right. this, this, I was laughing at anybody who was in attendance for this. How many punts? It, I, like 20 some odd I punts? would imagine yeah. sitting there live had to have been the longest, most, right. most dragged out experience at a live sporting yeah. event. Uh, you know, maybe uh, ever, maybe ever, uh, yeah. but definitely recent memory here in uh, here in the uh, Tri-State area. That's for sure. Uh, Monday Night Football tonight uh, kickoff set for eight fifteen p.m. Known between the Detroit Lions and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. That'll be in Detroit, and the Lions head in as seven and a half point favorites. And just the Devils in action yesterday on the ice in Jersey, pulling out the four to three win over the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Brat scored twice, along with goals from Halla and Toffoli, all of which went nicely with Vanacek's thirty-one saves in route to the home victory for New Jersey. The Islanders and Rangers are both back in action tonight for the Isles. They're at home to welcome in the Detroit Red Wings for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Meanwhile, in Winnipeg, it'll be the Rangers facing off with the Jets uh, also at 7.30 on the hardwood. No local action yesterday, but the still winless Nets will be in action tonight in Charlotte against the Hornets. Tip-off there scheduled for 7 p.m. And finally, in the MLB, after an off day yesterday, the World Series picks back up tonight with Game 3 in Arizona. First pitch there set for 8.03 p.m. with the series currently knotted at one game apiece. So big uh, rubber game there in that series. No sports. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. Police in Maine confirming over the weekend that they have a note that was written to a loved one by the mass shooting gunman Robert Card before he killed himself. If you didn't follow the story over the weekend, they found him dead in a trailer in a recycling parking lot. Uh, so that ended the search for him over the weekend. And then the uh, police told us that he did leave a note behind. I wouldn't uh, describe it as a explicit suicide note, but the tone and tenor was that uh, the individual was not going to be around and wanted to make sure that this loved one had access to his phone and whatever was in his phone. Yeah, so things will try to get back to normal in Lewiston, Maine. At least people were out and about over the weekend. Of course, now comes the funerals, the vigils for the 18 there that were killed inside a bowling alley and a bar. They range in age from as young as 14 to 76. The judge overseeing former President Trump's January 6 cases reinstating a gag order imposed on him. The limited gag order was temporarily stopped earlier this month with the judge denying the former president's request to pause the order while his appeal plays out. The order denies Trump from making certain statements about both the special counsel team or potential witnesses. I'm Mark Mayfield. Trump delivering remarks over the weekend in Las Vegas at the Commit to Caucus event. He told the crowd he believes that the nation is falling apart due to incompetent leadership. I believe that this is the most important election in our country's history. I believe that... Our country has never been in a worse position. I think we have a very good chance of going into World War III because we have incompetent leaders. I will promise you, you'll never have World War III. Trump again called the 2020 election rigged and advocated for one-day voting with paper ballots and voter IDs. Down in Florida... Governor GOP presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis says better mental health oversight was needed in connection with the accused gunman in last week's mass shooting up in Maine. He clearly had problems. He was involuntarily committed. He would have been a prohibited possessor. 
card found dead, of course, is self-inflicted gunshot wound, as we told you on uh, Friday, and DeSantis weighing in on that. There was an intervention, but there it wasn't enough. So I'd like to know why wasn't there more done? He clearly had problems. He was involuntarily committed. He would have been a prohibited possessor. DeSantis also says that Maine and other states should take a closer look at who can buy guns. I would be more aggressive on some of those fringe people who clearly are demonstrating signs that they're a major danger to society. The governor is saying that better mental health oversight was needed in connection with that accused gunman. Nikki Haley taking shots at former President Trump's foreign policy. She was speaking at the Republican Jewish Coalition in Las Vegas over the weekend, criticizing Trump's recent comments about Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu being unprepared for that October 7th attack by Hamas. America can never be neutral between good and evil. We must always pick a side. And we serve our own national interests best when we side with good. This principle matters now more than ever. She went on to say that unlike Trump, she won't compliment Chinese Communist President Xi or call North Korea's uh, Kim Jong-un her friend. A group of U.S. senators wrapping up a trip to the Texas border with Mexico. Senator Mike Lee, who's from Utah, shocked to see the number of unaccompanied girls who have traveled through Mexico alone to the border. A substantial majority of the women and girls brought up through this process are sexually assaulted along the way. They spent the night with Border Patrol to see who was crossing the river. This is slavery. This is involuntary servitude. This is indentured servitude. They were told by agents it would just take a policy change to stop the flood of immigration. Uh, other people along on this trip, Senator uh, Pete Ricketts, he's from Nebraska. We've also seen again another record year of people on the terrorist watch list, over 170 coming to this country. He says the men and women who guard the border are desperate for help. When we talk to the Customs and Border Patrol folks, you know what they say? They're spending more time processing people than actually guarding the border. Migrants make the trek, they were told, because they know they'll be processed and released and can spend years of living and working in the U.S. until they get their court day. 525, fans of Matthew Perry gathering outside the apartment building where Friends was filmed here in New York to leave flowers for the late actor. Uh, Yessi Guterres is one of them. She's shocked and saddened. If you hadn't heard, Matthew Perry died over the weekend. Kind of sad that he, he made it out on the other side and he passed away. I should point out that the show was not shot there. It was the exterior of the building that was used in the series, this Grove Street building in lower Manhattan. So it did seem a little odd that people were gathering outside there, but they were, you know, people were very upset. Matthew Perry, well-loved actor, not clear why he died. Uh, they're still going to do toxicology tests to try to figure it out. Nothing suspicious, though. I wasn't one of the original Friends fans, but in the past few years, I decided to watch the whole series, and I've just kind of replayed it over and over again. And the fans who showed up there over the weekend and into last night say they had heard about Perry's past problems with drugs and alcohol. I just finished his book like earlier this year on Audible and I think like he really fought to have like a great life. He died uh, on Saturday at the age of 54. We just look at it as such a tragedy. He had so much more to give and so much more life to live and he's been through a lot and it's just it's just sad. It is sad. Uh, terrible. 54 young uh, police will continue to do their investigation into why and how he passed away. Five Nights at Freddy's has been killing at the box office over the weekend. In the 80s, kids went missing. The police searched Freddy's top to bottom. Hello? They never found them.
The horror film made nearly $40 million its opening day on Friday, made another $30 million by Saturday, or rather Sunday. Taylor Swift's movie, concert movie, The Eras Tour, took second place at the box office over the weekend. Taking a look at uh, Wall Street, the opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after wrapping up a losing week, disappointing earnings and renewed recession fears pressured markets. So at the closing bell on Friday, the Dow lost 366 points, S&P fell 500, NASDAQ Rose, 47 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me. Good morning. It is October 30th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain this morning, showers this afternoon, high 64. Tonight, an overnight cloudy, low 45. And then Tuesday, sun and clouds, but cooler than it has been. High 53. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 50, cloudy and ossining up in Westchester County. 57, cloudy down in Jackson in New Jersey. And it is 53 and raining here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the city. Early voting began over the weekend. Uh, there's some um, 51 city council seats that are up for grabs. 14 of those races are uncontested. Other items on the ballot include two constitutional amendments, uh, district judges. Um, so not a lot of people over the weekend were showing up for early voting. That has kind of been the case since they started this. But up at the William O'Shea campus uh, on the Upper West Side, which is one of the early voting sites, they had the people who worked the polling booths and they were waiting for people to come in. And a couple people did. I think voting is a right that not everyone in the world has. It's precious. It's a responsibility. Um, we get a lot of perks being citizens. And this is one way we pay back. All right. Those two constitutional amendments on the ballot, they pertain to debt limits for municipalities. The measures would facilitate school construction projects in small cities and sewage projects statewide. Not really, you know, a sexy sort of thing that grabs the voters. So maybe that's part of the reason not a lot of people showing up. Most of them were just Democratic candidates. It's kind of hard to justify a thought process when there's no choice. Oh, it's a rainy day. I figured there'd be nobody here. Guess what? There's nobody here. Yeah, that was a Republican who showed up uh, saying, hey, the Democrats almost win all these races. But there are some contested races. And if you listen all day long right here, 77 WABC, and you go to WABCradio.com, we are highlighting what we think are the 11 most important city council races, the closest ones, the ones that there's, uh, you know, there's actually a real shot that it'll be a close race. So you can check those out both online and listening to us right here, 77 WABC. We checked on different, you know, recommendations and, you know, read, read the proposals and checked on the judges so we knew who we wanted to pick. Yeah, that's one of those well-educated voters. Before going out to vote, you can head to vote.nyc to locate your local early voting site. Some early voting sites are different from election day sites, so that's why you want to do that before you head out. And early voting goes through next Sunday. Some things won't just stand in the Big Apple. And uh, when you have somebody coming from the West Coast telling you how to do things, that never really goes over well at all. Taylor 
author. He is a social media influencer, and he has moved here from Los Angeles. And he says that bagels in L.A. are better, which I just find that really hard to believe. And uh, he said he's had some bad experience since moving here, that he stopped at a bagel shop, and he wouldn't say where. But he said he stopped at a bagel shop and he asked them to scoop out the bagel. And here's the response that he got. There's nothing more stressful than ordering a bagel in New York City. I just went to a bagel shop here. I'm from Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, if you order a bagel, you walk in, you say, hey, can I get a scoop gluten-free bagel? The person behind the bar is usually like, of course, we have these different options today for gluten-free. Of course, I can do that for you. In New York, I just walked in and asked for a stupid gluten-free bagel. The guy just looks at me and goes, I'm not scooping your bagel bro like, dude, <laughs> that's how i want it it's like get the yeah yeah i mean what are you doing walking into a bagel shop asking for a gluten-free bagel give me a break so um this is the interesting part of the story though is that he said this happened in new york and I, now i think this story is not true because he was asked which bagel shop he said it was in the Flatiron district there's not that many bagel shops there which bagel shop was it where he they told him to f himself when he asked to have the bagel scooped out because i know here we have we order bagels every day and there's people who like it scooped out no problem they scoop it out and uh he could not come up with the name of the bagel shop yeah Okay. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Long Island. Just a bizarre moment on Long Island over the weekend. This family, a 10 year old, a six year old, and their mother are driving around Manhasset and they're dropping off Halloween goodie bags at friends' house. I guess this is the thing sometimes people do before Halloween. So they drop off a bag at this house on Rock Rest Road in Manhasset, and they drive away. And in the moments when they drive away, the 10-year-old girl says, oh, wait a minute, you know what? That's not my friend's house. So they drive back to the house. This is just minutes later. And the six-year-old, her brother, who's sitting in the car with her, gets out to go get the goodie bag. And when he does, someone opens the front door to this house and points a gun at his head. You're like, really? You're pointing a gun at a six-year-old's head? Thank God he did not pull the trigger, and thank God police have arrested him. People in this neighborhood say, what is wrong with people? I don't have words, but yet, look what's going on in the world. Yeah, Michael Yufan Wen, he's 43 years old, now charged with menacing, endangering the welfare of a child. It's horrifying in any neighborhood, and unacceptable. Uh, I... I can't even imagine the poor child and the poor parents. Yeah, when arraigned yesterday, first district court in Hempstead. What's going on right now? There's a lot of a lot of anger in our world. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, you open the door and see a kid, a little kid, and you point a gun at him. It makes no sense. When charged yesterday, menacing, endangering the welfare of a child. Over to New Jersey. Over the weekend, a construction worker trapped, injured, when a restaurant under renovation just collapsed around them. This was in East Rutherford. It happened at the former home of the Railroad Cafe in East Rutherford. They used to be a popular spot. The worker was in the basement when part of the structure around him, above him, gave way. Firefighters raced in. Thank God they were able to save them, but it took a number of hours till they could get to him. Crews initially found the worker pinned between uh, a piece of mortar, uh, brick and mortar foundation. Before we could start removing him from the building, we had to make sure that the building was stabilized. So we had to shore up the, the remaining foundation and the rest of the building above him. 
Two other workers were in the building at the time. One of them was also injured. The injury is minor. That's what we're being told. The building owners have decided just to tear the whole thing down, not start over again. Uh, but the good news here is those workers who were trapped uh, are okay. Up to the Bronx, really nice moment there yesterday. Council member Marjorie Velasquez honoring the life of Sylvia Lask. Sylvia Lask was this woman who was really well known in Co-op City in the Bronx for doing all kinds of great things. And I have a connection to her, but it's not the reason I'm doing the story. I just happened to see this this morning when I came in. They named a street in her honor. She passed away a year ago. She was extremely close friends for a while uh, through their childhood and into adulthood with my mother. And uh, she never left Co-op City, and she could have because she wanted to stay there and fix what was wrong. So yesterday, this councilwoman, Marjorie Velasquez, renamed a street in Co-op City after Sylvia Lask, and it's called Sylvia Lask Way. She will not take no for an answer, especially when it comes to delivering for her community. That's right. And that's the legacy that we have. That's the legacy we're going to honor. And every time someone drives down this street, they will know and they will ask, who is Sylvia? Yeah, so she was involved with a mental health advocate long before anybody else was. Uh, Her family members, who I know they showed up yesterday, and I didn't know this was happening, or I would have gone, to honor their late mother. So good job done by there, by the city council. Talks to end the Hollywood actors uh, strike resumed yesterday. A virtual session held between the producers. Producers Alliance and the Actors Union SAG-AFTRA deadline, the website, says the union is waiting for a response from the studios to its latest proposal. The studio is anxious, of course, to restart film and TV productions that have been on hold since the actors walked out all the way back in July. The state of California, and by the way, throw New York in there as well, has lost uh, billions of dollars because of the actors and writers strike. And the 2024 global box office is also set to lose over a billion dollars because of film delays. So they can't get these people back to work fast enough. And, of course, it's not just the actors. It's everybody surrounding them, the people who do set design, the caterers who have laid off so many people uh, since the strike began back in July. Hopefully, this latest offer will be one that the actors can accept. Legendary magician David Copperfield announcing his newest trick. During an interview on the Today Show, Copperfield says uh, that he plans to make the moon disappear. Do you remember when you made the Statue of Liberty disappear? That was like years ago. Anyway, he says it's taken 30 years of work to develop this latest illusion to make the moon disappear. I'm collaborating with uh, Save the Children, an amazing organization, to show the world the difference one person can make. If one person can make the moon disappear from the sky, imagine how together we can make poverty and hunger and danger disappear for our children yes, on sir. Earth. Practice runs of this trick, apparently going pretty well. He claims people have reported seeing strange things in the sky at night all around the country. But he says now he'll make the moon disappear. Like I said, he did the Statue of Liberty. He also seemingly, do you remember this stunt? He did a long time ago. He walked through the Great Wall of China. That was kind of a cool moment. Let's bring it back here into the city. The city's sanitation workers uh, signing a new contract with City Hall over the weekend. Mayor Adams says the five-year deal covers more than 7,000 workers. Our men and women who actually make this city operate in a real way. And they're there. They show up. They show up every day. They show up during COVID. They show up during snowstorms. Sanitation workers will get between three and a quarter and four percent raises over each year of that deal. And the NYPD hosting a major 
car theft prevention event over the weekend here. They were teaming up with Hyundai. Maybe you've heard about this. A software glitch has made it easier for thieves to steal some Hyundai models made between 2011 and 2022. It was the number one car stolen off streets here in the city, especially in the Bronx. In addition to these software upgrades, the NYPD will be giving out free Apple AirTags to eligible car owners, and that, that provides an extra layer of protection. So if you miss this event over the weekend, you can still reach out to the NYPD. They'll help you out. Hyundai car thefts have skyrocketed over the past few years. Part of the blame is thanks to TikTok videos that detail just how easy it is to rip off the cars. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Aladen. Starting on the gridiron here, the Jets and Giants met yesterday at MetLife where both teams looked miserable on offense for basically the duration of the game until late where out of nowhere came Zach Wilson and the Jets driving down the field to set up a game-tying field goal to send things into overtime. Here's what that madness sounded like, courtesy of CBS Sports. Lawrence is in the backfield. Wilson escapes, throws on the run. He's got a man. First down. Jets have to hurry, though. Here we go. Zerline, 35-yard attempt to send the game to overtime. Kick on the way, and it is good. And we got bonus football in Jersey. The Jets weren't done yet either as kick, uh, kicker Greg Zerlin had more than enough left in the tank to drill a 33-yarder with 6.09 left in overtime to lift Gang Green to the victory. The Jets now move above 500 at 4-3 overall, while the Giants fall to a lowly 2-6 and six on the year. Week 8 wraps up tonight in Detroit with the Lions welcoming in the Las Vegas Raiders for Monday Night Football action. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. and the Lions head in as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. And just the Devils in action yesterday on the ice in Jersey, pulling out the 4-3 to win over the Minnesota Wild. Brad scored twice, along with goals from Halla and Toffoli, all of which went nicely with Vanacek's 31 saves and route to the home victory for New Jersey. The Islanders and Rangers are both back in action tonight. For the Isles there at home to welcome in the Detroit Red Wings for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Meanwhile, in Winnipeg, it'll be the Rangers facing off with the Jets, also at 7.30. On the hardwood, there was no local action yesterday, but the still winless Nets will be in action tonight in Charlotte against the Hornets. Tip-off there, scheduled for 7 p.m. And finally, in the MLB, after an off-day today, or yesterday, I should say, the World Series picks back up tonight with Game 3 in Arizona. First pitch is set for 8.03 p.m. with the series currently knotted at one game apiece. No, that's sports, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. The biggest one continues to be overseas in the Middle East. Israel says it began over the weekend its second and most important phase of its war to root out and get rid of Hamas in Gaza. Hamas terrorists operate inside an Andershifa hospital and other hospitals in Gaza with network of terror tunnels. Hamas also has an entrance to those terror tunnels from inside the hospital wards, meaning from different places of the hospital, you can go into an underground tunnel. He's a little bit all over the place there, but what he's saying is the hospital, the main one in Gaza, he says that's where the headquarters are for Hamas underneath it, so it's made it tough to get to them, and he says it's another example of how Hamas uses civilians as human shields. Uh, Over the weekend, infantry, armored vehicles, uh, massive strikes from Israel, from air and sea into Gaza. 
In the last few hours, the IDF is attacking infrastructures of terror. The infantry is extending their activity. And as you might guess, things awful inside Gaza. An international Red Cross official calling the small number of trucks getting into Gaza with humanitarian aid just a drop in the ocean for all those who need. It's only a small fraction of what the, the Gaza Strip and Gazans uh, need today. That's the Red Cross International Committee director. Six trucks of aid arrived in Gaza on Friday. Three more made it through on Sunday. Uh, the Red Cross trying to downplay concerns about the aid being diverted by Hamas and being used by the terrorists. He says that the aid that has gotten in is getting to the people who need it. We work in a direct implementation mode. Uh, we have our own staff delivering aid and services to individuals uh, that are carefully vetted. And the death toll, it continues to climb. The Hamas-led health ministry in Gaza says over 8,000 have been killed there by Israeli airstrikes. That is, Vice President Kamala Harris was on 60 Minutes last night, weighing in on concerns about the war between Israel and Hamas spilling into a much wider conflict. We have absolutely no intention, nor do we have any plans to send combat troops into Israel or Gaza. The vice president reiterating the stance of the White House, saying that Israel has the right to defend itself. Israel, without any question, has a right to defend itself. That being said, it is very important that there be no conflation between Hamas and the Palestinians. Then you had National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan taking to the news shows yesterday, talking about a wider conflict. We will continue to talk to our Israeli counterparts. We'll continue to ask hard questions about uh, how they are thinking this through, how they are proceeding. Jake Sullivan saying he doesn't want this to become any bigger than Hamas versus Israel. The United States has a responsibility to do everything we can to make sure that life-saving humanitarian assistance gets to those people who have been affected by this conflict. Yeah, he's talking about the Gazans who are trapped in Gaza at this hour. Hamas is making life extremely difficult for Israel by taking civilians as human shields to distinguish between terrorists and civilians and to protect the lives of innocent people. Every single one of those deaths is a tragedy. Every human life is sacred, whether it's Palestinian, Israeli, American, or any life. And, of course, what's with the hostages? Some 220 of them, at least 10 of them Americans. A member of the Senate Intelligence Committee says it's reasonable concern that families will never again see those loved ones who were taken hostage by Hamas now that Israel has moved in. The folks that are the families and the friends of these hostages, everyone has great compassion for them and pain for them. That's Republican Senator James Lankford. He's uh, from Oklahoma. He says it's been a challenge to determine the best way to free those as American and Israeli hostages. The challenge is what's the right way to be able to go get them? How do you actually go do that? How long are they going to be used as a pawn? What is Hamas going to do? Yeah, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, meeting with some of the hostage families over the weekend. And then just uh, just everything happening around this. Hundreds of people yesterday storming the main airport in Russia's Dagestan region and running onto the landing field to protest the arrival of an airliner from Tel Aviv. The airport had to be shut down. Police were called in to protect those passengers on the plane that had just arrived from Tel Aviv. Twenty cops in. 
injured trying to protect those people aboard the plane. And then here in the city, thousands of pro-Palestinian protesters taking over the Brooklyn Bridge over the weekend, then marching into Union Square. I don't agree with what Israel is doing. I don't agree with what the U.S. government is doing, and I want it to stop. I didn't expect to see so many people of different diversities, of different cultures, of different ethnicities. We're cut off from the world. we got to be out here in the streets and speak up for the people. Yeah, these were huge protests, including one at Grand Central Terminal. 200 people arrested there for a sit-in. And we feel compelled to take action that we wish others would have taken for our own ancestors. We have to open our hearts and we have to allow this grief to move and shift us into more compassionate human beings. There was a group called the Jewish Voice for Peace. Thousands of New Yorkers are saying, we don't need to bear witness any longer. We know what is happening in our name. We know what is happening on our dime. We cannot allow for it any longer. We need a ceasefire. Of course, keep it here, 77 WABC, for the latest on the war between Israel and Hamas. Back here, Westchester County Executive George Latimer says roughly 400 migrants have arrived in the county over the last year. We've had no incidents of crime, not one report of a crime, and no incidents of disease spread. Those are the two big impacts. People have speculated that that these things would happen. They have not happened uh, in Westchester County. He says the migrants have been staying in Yonkers, most of them for the past six months. 162 adults staying with 102 children. Our challenge is to see uh, the issue in, in a managerial way and to manage it so that there are no negative outcomes. The policies about it are outside of our control. And here in the city, Floyd Bennett Field, lots of controversy over using that to house a migrant tent city. We had the initial pictures a week ago of them building the tent city, and now it's just a matter of time till they start busting migrants in there. They may have already started to do so. And finally, in Paramus, New Jersey, neighbors are fighting to save a tree that's over 300 years old. The tree sits on the property of a Hindu temple and cultural center where they filed paperwork to expand. The tree bloomed every single year, and it just was a staple in our neighborhood. That song by Joni Mitchell, put, you know, Paradise put up a parking lot. It's very disturbing for the whole town. So neighbors showing up at a public hearing with arguments to try to convince the Hindu temple worshipers to save the tree. But the Hindu temple says this tree's in the way and they'll likely have to cut it down. The Hindu religion is supposed to be pro-nature and pro-tree. So this is against everything the Hindus normally would do. But temple members say no other way to expand the property without removing this old tree. Local Paramus officials will consider the tree when they vote in a few months on whether to allow the temple's expansion to move forward.